The Natural Way with Sandy. Dr. Sandy Rogers bringing you Folk Medicine Revival. The Natural Way. The past guides us to well-being. Hello folks and welcome to the Natural Way with Sandy podcast series. You might hear some birds uh, tweeting in the background there. We're expecting some rain which would be absolutely lovely and uh, I didn't want to really close the windows to be perfectly honest because the temperature is quite high here so excuse the sounds of nature if you can hear them. Now today's topic is going to be about irritable bowel syndrome. So many people actually talk about irritable bowel syndrome but often it isn't that at all so I want to explain what that is. But in talking about irritable bowel syndrome, I would like to thank Rosemary Ann Ogilvie because she's an absolutely wonderful writer and she used to assist me in developing and writing articles to be able to have them published in many, many different natural medicine magazines. This particular article, I was asked about doing a podcast around because a person read it and said why don't you do that as a podcast because they thought it would be interesting. So here's the podcast, Irritable Bowel Syndrome and I would like to thank Wendy from uh, New South Wales, Warner Bay um, for asking about that and also thank you for commenting on the article as you did find it quite useful. Well there are Really, when you think about uh, chronic presentations, these, you know, irritable bowel syndrome is upsetting, it can be painful. But one thing that we do know that it doesn't really contribute to the development of serious bowel conditions such as cancer or colitis, but the symptoms that are in keeping with irritable bowel syndrome are extremely unpleasant and they can be very challenging and it is also very important for you to get a diagnosis from your doctor or holistically trained healthcare provider to make sure that it is irritable bowel syndrome and nothing more serious. So it's very, very important to do that. It's true that an estimated 20% of Australians, mainly women, suffer from irritable bowel syndrome or IBS which we will call it from now or there is another name that some GPs refer to it as spastic colon. So it's a condition that really can very much impact on your day-to-day life, the quality of your existence because the symptoms can range from diarrhea or constipation and or both and basically they can interchange with each other. There can be abdominal pain or cramping that is significant and this abdominal pain or cramping can be relieved by a bowel movement or by the passing of wind. A sensation that the bowel is not fully emptied is a common presentation after the bowel movement people will say well I feel I still feel like I need to empty the bowel more but nothing happens there can also be accompanying bloating 
and also there can be mucus in the stools there can be like a coating over the stool as well as you may present with nausea and this nausea can be significant and it can also be wave-like nausea it can come and go goes up and down of varying degrees of severity so that's basically the presentation that clinicians are looking for with the diagnostics of irritable bowel but one of the biggest questions and that was posed in the article what triggers irritable bowel syndrome well the causes are basically unknown because there is such a combination of factors that will trigger an attack and what works with and triggers one person may not necessarily trigger another but some of the things that we do see in clinical practice is where people present with emotional stress or where there is changes in routine certain foods and or food intolerances and gastrointestinal infections although it must be said that the gastrointestinal infections are implicated in about 25% of the presentations causing persistent bowel symptoms that really do continue long after the bacteria or the virus are eliminating it's thought though that the cause may involve changes to nerve function in the bowel or changes in the bowel's normal bacteria population. So when looking at treating and what can we do about irritable bowel syndrome, it really does become quite eclectic, meaning that we need to look at many factors and maybe bring in several things to be able to be of assistance. It is true that research suggests the neurotransmitter serotonin may be implicated in irritable bowel syndrome, by altering the function of nerve cells in the bowel thereby causing changes in pain sensation as well as the function associated with bowel movements. So this really is one reason why medical doctors may also prescribe antidepressant medication for the condition that is not uncommon for the prescription to go toward the antidepressants. Now, I have seen that antidepressant drugs really do and can provide relief. They don't actually address the problems. They don't address the symptoms and really can actually compound health problems in the long term by causing depression. So what we need to do is to make sure that when we are looking at presentations such as moving into the antidepressants, we notice that um, people generally will put on weight, they become extremely tired and therefore can become um, very fatigued and therefore life changes can take place. So what we need to look at is a few steps to be able to get a treatment going and what I recommended in this particular article that Wendy actually quite enjoyed that she specifically said to make sure that we put in the podcast was that I suggest for clients who present with IBS to keep an actual diary recording daily what they eat 
what their stress levels are using a 0 to 10 range, 0 being no stress, 10 being out of control. And really, while many don't want to do this, they say, oh no, you know, it's a bit too overwhelming, particularly if they're busy, I do believe that it's important because it highlights the links that are made between food and food intake and stress factors and the symptoms that are associated. It also helps you, the client, manage the symptoms. And it's so interesting that what can manifest from keeping a diary such as this, that you are now becoming educated and knowledgeable about your body and its functions. You see, once you've done it, and I always recommend to do it for about a month, once that you've done it for that month, then you've got a pretty clear picture on what your body is doing and what it responds and reacts to. Once you've got that information, you are armed with great information and knowledge. And therefore, from my clinical experience, many IBS sufferers, we find are actually lactose intolerant, which means it's necessary to avoid dairy foods with the exception of a good quality natural yogurt because a good quality natural yogurt is generally beneficial for IBS. Gluten, we also know, is another common irritant which puts grains, especially wheat and corn, out of the picture for you. Sorbitol intolerance is another common aggravant but once eliminated, symptoms may disappear. Sorbitol is actually a sugar alcohol which naturally occurs in apples, pears, peaches, apricots and cherries and is also present in high concentrations in dried figs, raisins and prunes which can be particularly troublesome because some people actually take prunes to be able to stabilise constipation but produces further irritation. Chemically manufactured sorbitol is widely used as a sweetener and emulsifier in processed foods. So check the labels for this ingredient. It's very important to do that. So look for the word sorbitol, S-O-R-B-I-T-O-L. You know, things in sweeteners, like you'll find um, locale soft drinks and things like that. So checking the labels is important. Coffee, colas, tea, chocolate, potatoes, onions and citrus are other common triggers we find from clinical presentations. Some people with IBS may not tolerate hot spices such as curry powder, chilli powder, hot chilli peppers, garlic and ginger, although small amounts of ginger may actually be fine. But remember I said in the beginning, this is very unique, it's very personalised. What some people may tolerate, others don't. Water-soluble fibre is absolutely important as a dietary adjustment for people with IBS. Water-soluble fibre such as in the form of apples, oat bran, psyllium seed and flaxseed tend to be most helpful. Now, 
you do remember me saying a little bit further back where we talked about sorbitol and I was actually in discussion there and saying that the natural occurrence of sorbitol is in the apples, pears, etc. That's true, and it may be that you don't tolerate them very well. But generally, a small amount of apple or pear is a water-soluble fibre that can be well tolerated, but if you find that you get an irritability factor, then you'll have to stop them. So, just going there, water-soluble fibre is important for people with IBS, so apples, oat bran, psyllium seed, flaxseed tend to be the most helpful. However, the fibre must be hydrated before consumption. Now, this is important because what a lot of people will do with, say, the psyllium and flaxseed, they don't actually hydrate the oat bran. So you need to make sure that you soak these products in a liquid to allow full absorption before consumption. This is important because if you don't, they will expand in the gut and draw up the moisture that is there, causing havoc. So soak the product in water or juice, allow it to swell and expand, add a little bit more liquid and once it's fully absorbed, then consume it. So I stressed in the article that it's important to start with small amounts and build up to larger amounts to avoid overloading the colon. The amount is about a teaspoon to start with. Another good powder is slippery elm powder. Again, about a teaspoon. That's excellent, but needs to be hydrated before you take it. It's important and absolutely imperative not to overload the body with fat. This can exaggerate the gastrointestinal colonic response. Good fats are critical for health, so don't eliminate them. Instead, eat small amounts throughout the day. In fact, snacking on several small meals throughout the day appears to be better for IBS sufferers as it reduces the intestinal load. Large meals can cause cramping and diarrhoea and further irritability. This is the reason that eating out can precipitate attacks. For not only do you eat more, you also tend to eat foods you normally would not, and the meal generally tends to be higher in fat. So again, you'll have your diary and you'll be able to note these over a period of a month. The other thing is that alcohol may upset some people as its action of stimulating the digestive tract can cause heartburn, stomach pain and diarrhoea. By keeping your intake to a moderate 150 mils for women, 300 mils for men, you may be able to continue to enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. So that's, that's daily. So that would be a glass of wine. Gassy foods too, they do need to be consumed in moderation or even eliminated if you find that doing your diary, that avoiding them helps relieve the abdominal pain, bloating and wind. Culprits include raw vegetables in general, including lettuce and cucumber, and cooked vegetables such as broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, capsicum, cauliflower, corn, kohlrabi, leeks, radishes, shallots, spring onions, swedes and turnips. So watch for those sorts of foods, but again, very small amounts can actually 
start a process to be able to soothe and settle the gut. But if you're having too many and in combination, it could be causing the irritation. Challenging fruits include apples with peel, honeydew, avocados, rock melon and watermelon. Well-ripened fruits or even canned fruits appear to be better tolerated. So make sure that you've got the well-ripened fruit or even use the canned fruit that it's in its own juices whilst you're working out what you can and cannot have. We do find that pawpaw or red papaya is very soothing and settling for the bowel in small doses. Let's look at vegetables then. Wild-dried peas, beans and lentils are an excellent source of soluble fibre. They can be particularly windy. Other potential troublemaking foods and drinks are beer, seeds, sesame, poppy, sunflower, hard-boiled eggs, bubbly soft drinks, nuts, wheat germ and popcorn. Now, I've drawn these from clinical research from drawing on what my patients have told me in clinical practice and these are the ones that are at top of the list. But I want to introduce you to what's called the saliva connection. One really important aspect to consider is the salivary glands because many people with IBS have a problem with dry mouth and this again has been noted over many years of being in clinical practice. You see folks, Saliva is a natural laxative and without it, enzymes become dysfunctional. This can upset the gastrointestinal tract and irritations from the mouth to the anus and this can occur. So to activate the salivary glands, which we want you to do, it's essential to introduce bitters into the diet. Bitter vegetables such as radicchio, or Swedish herbal bitters, apple cider vinegar, some leafy greens, lightly steamed or um, say lightly steamed vegetables with some lemon juice because lemon juice is wonderful. Apple cider vinegar with lemon juice as a mouth rinse is very effective. One teaspoon of apple cider vinegar, the juice of one teaspoon of lemon and about an, uh, about an, um, an egg cup full of water, swish it around the mouth and spit it out, don't swallow. Some people do swallow it, but I prefer not to as the tongue can be very coated and that has quite an acidic matter that forms the coating and it may not be advisable. So if the gut is acidic, mix another batch of the formula and swallow it. So swish the mouth out with one lot and if you want to stabilise the gut for a digestive process, well then redo another apple cider vinegar and lemon with the water and drink that. Now, finally, what I want to introduce you to, to think about, be sure to exercise regularly. Not, not, not because it's an absolutely fantastic stress reliever. It also acts as an intestinal stimulant for those who experience bouts of constipation. For this reason, people with diarrhea that is predominant with irritable bowel should exercise at the time when they tend not to have their symptoms. So think about that. So when when you're doing your diary, think about when do the when does the IBS come up? Because what we found from clinical in, introductions that we brought in was that people tend to get their IBS at certain times of the day or evening. So 
when you're likely not to have the IBS um, presentations, work out to do your exercise then. Now, the other thing that we're adding here also is to make sure that hydration is actually kept up. So the ratio that you need to be looking at for the water consumption, and this is sipping water regularly across the day, is 30 mils per kilo of body weight. So if you were 100 kilos, you would have 3 litres of water a day. So that's 30 mils per 1 kilo of body weight to a maximum of 3 litres. And in that way, you're getting great hydration and also it's getting the absorption there going through all the cells of the body. So collectively, there is a lot of information here in this podcast for you. And again, the reason I'm doing this podcast is for people to have information available to them for free that you're able to get it, use it, utilize it, share it. But above all, folks, please always make sure that the diagnosis on any condition is actually right, that you have an holistically healthcare trained provider to be able to get the diagnosis correct Um, work with a doctor and a naturopath medical herbalist in combination or a homeopath work in combination with the medical practitioners because their focus is disease and illness our focus as natural medicine practitioners uh, is looking at the person in their entirety and bringing the two of these fields together you are the beneficiary of that so I would like to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We're nearly up to 2,000 now, which is absolutely fantastic, just wonderful. We're really getting about 100 a week that's coming in and sometimes more. So please keep telling your friends to tell their friends to tell their friends. There are going to be some short courses through the Folk Medicine Revival Academy and one of the short courses I'll be working on for launching into the new year is that 12-week course that I ran, Your Life, Your Journey, Never Be Stressed Again. And it's teaching you mindfulness without all the guru stuff that goes on. Mindfulness has become a very trendy and catchy word, but it really shouldn't be. Mindfulness is very simple, not easy to do, but the concept is simple. So in Your Life, Your Journey, the course that I've actually run face-to-face in-house Um, will be going up as a short course and a series of short courses through the Folk Medicine Revival Academy early in 2020. Please keep your comments comments coming. They're, They're so much valued. Please keep letting me know what podcasts you would like to have done and I'll be able to put them together for you. Keep it coming through and if I can be of any assistance, please don't hesitate to let me know. I would like to also thank the people who've invited me to come along to their clubs or to be presenting at their conferences. That is just absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to doing quite a few of those that are already booked in now early into 2020. I find it such an honour and a privilege doing this work. So thank you all so much for listening. Please find happiness in every moment over and out until next time. The Natural Way with Sandy. Dr. Sandy Rogers bringing you Folk Medicine Revival. The Natural Way. The past guides us to well-being.